Hi everyone, happy Monday. Uh, it is one o'clock on July 18th and this is Admissions Live. I'm your host Nicole Lentini and on today's broadcast we're actually going to be revisiting an episode that we did last year, uh, last June as a matter of fact, uh, with Jim Wiseman from Carroll University about uh, using texting as part of the admissions communication platform. Last year when we spoke to Jim he was just about to roll this out with his team and now this year um, they've had a year with this platform. They've been able to really learn a lot from it. So I'm really excited to have him joining us today uh, to talk about some of the numbers and some of the great stories of what happened over the last year. Uh, he'll be joined by Dave Marshall, um, who I'm going to introduce once again a little bit later, but Dave Marshall from Mongoose. And uh, the two of them are going to talk a little bit more about what this past year looked like for Carroll University. Uh, but before I get into that, I want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. I'm Stoner and Chegg, and I will be sharing um, a little plug for them from um a little plug for them and their upcoming opportunities and things that they're doing over the course of this year in a moment. Um, but first, I'd love to have uh, Jim and Dave introduce themselves on the show. So, uh, Jim, do you want to introduce yourself first and talk a little bit about your history in higher education um, and kind of your time with Carol? Sure. Thanks, Nicole. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Jim Wiseman. I'm the Vice President of Enrollment at Carroll University. I've been the Chief Enrollment Officer at Carroll for about 25 years. I've been about 30 years of higher ed experience. Um, I supervise all enrollment, all financial aid, and the retention and graduation programs at Carroll. So that's a little about me. Awesome. And all right, how about Dave? Okay, hi everybody. I'm Dave Marshall from Mongoose. I'm the president of Mongoose. Um, in a former life, my company was Liquid Matrix, which was uh, acquired by what is now E. Lucian. My company, Mongoose, has the opportunity to work with over 50 schools, helping them text these ever more e elusive students. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and before I get into the questions, just to give everybody who's tuning in a bit more information about Admissions Live. Uh, Admissions Live is part of the Higher Ed Live Network, offering viewers direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Uh, live webcasts allow viewers to share knowledge and participate in discussions around the most important issues in the industry. Uh, today's live viewing broadcast or experience is powered by Maestro, uh, the premier marketing tech platform for broadcasters. Uh, and all episodes of Admissions Live are free and accessible in the video archives at higheredlive.com and in podcast format on iTunes. Uh, so especially for you admissions travelers, if you need something to listen to on your long drives coming up this fall, uh, we hope you'll check out uh, some of our shows in the archive. Um, today's episode is made possible by Chegg Enrollment Services. Chegg Enrollment Services connects colleges and universities with the nearly 80% of college-bound students who are researching schools online. Uh, Chegg uses an online platform that includes over 10 of the the most popular college search sites, helping you to save over 90% on the cost of traditional inquiry generating methods. Email outreach at chegg.com to schedule a free consultation, and we'll be tweeting um, a link out about that a little bit later. Um, Higher Ed Live is also produced by M. Stoner, a marketing and communications form, uh, firm that works with education institutions on branding strategy, web design, and more. Uh, and I'll be sharing a little bit about them later in the show as well. So thank you, Jim and David 
once again for joining us um, and for introducing yourselves as well. Um, and I want to just quickly start off this show, Jim, by sort of revisiting um, why you decided to sort of incorporate texting into your admissions communication platform last year. Um, you know, what were your goals at that point in time? Um, why had you decided to implement it? And if you want to make a mention why you reached out to Dave specifically, that'd be great as well. Sure, Nicole, yeah. You know, for an old guy like me who's been doing things the same way for a long time, um, I started thinking about how can we improve uh, the one-for-one -one correspondence with students. So if we correspond with a student, how can we get them to respond back to us? And I kept watching my daughters on their phones constantly texting their friends and other people, and I'm like, you know, we should really look into this texting thing. Um, and at first we started, well, we can do it ourselves and all that kind of stuff. And so we tried that. That didn't work at all. And it just so happened that Dave reached out to me at the exact right time, and we struck up sort of a partnership and sort of friendship in terms of how can an old guy like me get taught how to text people. And so Dave has helped us do that. Um, but our goal was basically to increase what we call quality contacts, which a quality contact for us is not just a one-way conversation, but a two-way conversation. So that was our goal, Nicole. Excellent. I love it. And those are wonderful goals to have and to be able to, you know, I, when we were prepping for this for this episode, you talked a lot about that importance of kind of one-on-one -on -one personal communication. And I think that's something that can so easily get lost in the admissions process. So I love that that was among the forefront of your goals for this, was that making sure that, you know, it wasn't feeling like it was sort of a robot sending up these messages, but that it was personal communication. Um, and I think Dave is a great partner to have that. Um, before we get into the numbers, is there anything you want to kind of frame out ahead of time, or do you want me to just pull up the numbers, and Dave, you can talk a little bit about those? Well, we, we can certainly jump right into the numbers. I, I think, I mean, you're so right. In today's world, I still think at the end of the day, you know, you can have really great brochures, and you can do all these really great stuff, and you have to, to get them interested, but ultimately the student buys from a person. And it's the person that can get them most excited about the institution, which is one of the buying criteria that most students have is, can you increase their excitement about your institution? And if you can, I think you're going to be successful. And I think the texting platform has certainly been an enormous resource for us to do that. Absolutely. All right, so why don't I pull this up, bear with me while I screen share. And you're going to see double of me in a moment, so bear with me. Oh, maybe not. Here we go. Let's share this out, and I'm going to try to bring it full screen. And then, oh, and then, Dave, if you want to talk, whoa, here we go. Sorry, screen sharing woes for a moment. Here we go. Can everybody see our numbers there? Yep. Perfect. All right, Dave or Jim, why don't, why don't you talk a little bit about what we're seeing here? I guess Jim, I'll I'll start, and then you can fill in fill in the gaps. Okay. Um, we reached out to um, many of our client institutions to um, look at what maybe correlation and causation that they were seeing with um, with with regard to the students that they were having text conversations with, compared to those that they weren't. And um, this is Carroll University's data. Um, this is the the vast majority of their accepted students happened to be opted in and did participate in a text conversations with their counselors. Um, Carol 
used a process where they would allow these students to opt in to receive texts from their counselors. So there's definitely an element of, co of correlation here that if they're going to opt in, they're inherently more likely to apply and enroll um, be just, just by the fact that they gave you their mobile phone number and their permission. And we found that it looks like there's also an element of causation that these counselors are able to have these beautiful, personal, um, m meaningful co conversations with these students. So they could kind of um, right the ship when it, when, it, when it comes to, you know, what their perceptions of affordability are, questions they have. Um, their, their counselors had meaningful, personal conversations to, to the point that I, re I, re re I remember, Jim, uh, uh, one of your counselors you know, said, I just wanted to let you know that our um, acceptance letters are going to go out to print and go out to the mail in a, in a day or two, but I wanted to be the first one to tell you that you've been accepted, and the student wrote back just like, you are my favorite person on the planet. Like, I love you, you know, thank you so much. And it was this, 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 this great human kind of um, excitement and emotion that's done via text, so that's why we're seeing texters and this is the this is the case with other clients too are going from accept to to confirm and in this case at a 50% higher um, rate than uh, students that did not text yeah I mean Dave you, you covered it really well I mean it, it's amazing to, to to say that you can have a you know 9.6% increase in yield for texters versus non-texters is that's like a dream come true for enrollment managers in terms of your funnels. So uh, the opt-in thing, like Dave said, is a huge piece of that is that you, you have to work pretty hard to get opt-ins, but students will only opt-in if they're pretty interested in your school. So you're not going to make the cut. If you're the fifth or sixth school that they're interested in, chances are they're not going to opt-in for you. So your stats, that's why it's so reflective of, of these yield rates. Absolutely. I mean, this really jumps out. I mean, this really stands out that you had that kind of predictive quality to looking at what students would come in, and to see that jump in yield is pretty exciting. Yeah, um, we run, yeah, Nicole, we run a predictive model, and we have lots of factors, and this is turning out to be the factor that's going to get weighted really high along with campus <laughs> visits, but this one's even going to have more weight than even the campus visit itself is, do they opt in or not? Excellent. And let's check out, here we go, if we can come down. So this was, this was an interesting number to jump out to me, too. So this went from inquiries all the way through to, is this confirmed enrollees? Is that what I'm reading correctly, that Dave? That is correct, yes. Or Jim? Yep. Awesome. Yep. So, wow, yep. that is huge. <laughs> that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. If you can get them to opt in at the inquiry stage, uh, it's a huge predictor. Um, so, and you can see it's more predictive than the campus visit itself. And when you put them in combination, those two uh, of our model, you know, which a hundred point model, you're talking seventy to eighty of the predictive points are tied up in those two factors alone right now. Yeah, that's huge. Okay, so I'm gonna come back to all of you. Let's stop sharing here. So I can see your fantastic faces again. There we go. Um, so 
I mean, I wanted to share those numbers really early on in the broadcast because those speak volumes to me. I mean, to be able to take a look carefully at, I, I think this kind of comes into the broader conversation that we're having in admissions right now, which is really, um, you know, what you were speaking about a little bit earlier, Jim, what is, what, what predictability can we really depend on? You know, we talk about the campus visit as a predictability a lot, but, you know, I've been seeing so much about not just connecting with students, but connecting with the right fit students. And I think any students you're having this conversation with and that have an interest in this conversation um, are already should already be high up on your list. So um, I think that kind of segues nicely into what did the opt-in process look like for you? You know, how how did you let students know that you wanted to connect with them via texting? You know, what how did you set expectations for that? Um, and how did you let them know that if they wanted to opt out, they could? Yeah, so, so what we decided early on, Nicole, was is that our approach would be that we would not spam them with blasts. So we would not do the big text blast. Uh, Dave's product can do it, and some schools have done it really well, but we chose not to. So the first thing we did was come up with a campaign that said, look, sign in for text. We promise no spam. So we did that. We put it on all of our forms, our applications, our athletic forms, our inquiry forms. Every form had the question asked, would you like to opt in? Opt in for texting, and then we promised no spam. Uh, then we did a separate email campaign. Uh, we did a separate mail postcard campaign, and every visitor we explained what we were doing. So that's what we did with the opt-in, Nicole. And it, uh, you know, it was one of those that for inquiries, uh, you know, we got about 16% of our inquiry pool to opt-in. So. You know, so it was really, a, that's a pretty good sized number for us to get opted in. Um, and so, you know, it was a, it was a good, good program. I think uh, the no spam thing hit home with a lot of our students. I think that's one of the things that also happened, though, and something that we're talking about how we do later on is the fact that a lot of parents wanted to opt in along with their son or daughter. So that's another thing that, you know, I know David may have talked briefly about that, but that's something else I've got to figure out how we can do that as well. I was just going to ask, did you, so I, I'm assuming since it was your first year, you know, you were really focused on the prospective students. So what, it, has that been a conversation? Do you think that's going to be an additional channel you're going to roll out? Not sure. Where, where are you at in that conversation? We are going to roll it out, Nicole. The, the tricky part there is not Dave's in. The tricky part is our in from the database. You know, so we have to create the opt-ins from the parents and figure out how to opt the parents in. I think the opt-in, you know, is another thing, you know, if a student gives us an email, we just assume that's how they want us to communicate or that's one of the ways we can communicate with them. With texting, they are purposely choosing to receive text. So that's a little different. So the open rates are much higher. I mean, you'll see an email open rate starting to decline pretty significantly, or we are. Um, but you're seeing the text ones are actually the reply rates are really, really strong. So. I think the texting is a very purposeful thing that you're asking students, do you want to receive text and parents, and they're actually saying, choosing to say yes. So. Yeah. That's a great point, and I didn't even think about, you know, it's hard It's hard to track parent information. You're really only getting it from the app, typically, unless the parents are setting it separately. So that's true. It's kind of an entirely different beast unto itself. But um, since you brought up response rates, can you talk a little bit about what that looked like? And maybe I know that you have a little bit of data, too, that you could share about kind of counselor by counselor. So maybe just kind of what that looks like, because I think your approach was pretty neat to kind of give open 
sort of access to the counselors to use it as they will. Yeah, so what we chose is because, okay, so I'm an old guy. I've been doing this stuff a long time. Now I had a great resource to date, but the thing is, is I didn't know. I didn't know exactly. You know, let's figure out how to text. But I didn't really go the next step of saying, "Okay, here's what we want you counselors to be doing." Exactly. We sort of decided, let's let them discover it for themselves, and let's see sort of what happens. And so that's what we did, Nicole. Now a lot of people will cringe at that, and I don't know that I would do it again. But I, I thought this year it was a big experiment, is what it was. Um, and it, it worked really well. I mean, we had, they sent out about 6,800 uh, text messages uh, from the high school counselor staff. We have about 15,000 inquiries, and we enroll about 700 students. So they sent out 6,800. Uh, it was a response. Of those that went out, about 50% responded back to them. So that's, that's a pretty impressive number when you consider the open rates on emails are now down in the 20% ranges for us. So to get 50%, that's huge. Um, and the average counselor t uh, texted an opt-in about 6.6 .6 times. So for every person that opted in, they got about 6.6. .6. Wow, those are awesome response rates. I think some counselors dream of having response rates like that to their communication. So that's, that's an awesome story to hear. Um, as a side note, if you just heard a rumble from me, a huge thunderstorm just started. So if you hear rumbles from me, that's not my stomach waiting for lunch. That is a thunderstorm. Um, hopefully it won't come over the broadcast too much. But apologies. Well, if you see a dive under the table, we know it's a big storm. Exactly, and you guys can just take, take over from there if that's the case. <laughs> um, and in this little break, I do want to remind our viewers, I, I'm guessing that some might be new viewers, some might be prior viewers. If you don't already know, you can use Higher Ed Live um, as a hashtag to share any questions that you have for Jim or Dave, um, and also just to comment on kind of some of the tidbits you're getting from the broadcast today. So just wanted to put in that quick plug before we continued. But um, just to return to what you were speaking about, Jim, as far as um, um, how all these counselors kind of had open access to using it and you know maybe may or may not have as much freedom this upcoming year um, but can you talk about were there any kind of recurring themes any kind of um, you know any kind of benchmarks that you wanted to make sure counselors hit or was it I mean really open freedom for them to do whatever they wanted with it. I'm just kind of curious if you had certain yeah. things you wanted to make sure everybody Yeah, had. so Nicole, we basically um, treated it as another tool in their toolbox. And all of our counselors have quality contact goals. So bringing two-way conversation, they can count email, they can count phone calls, face-to-face, -face, and text messaging. So it was just another tool. And there were some of them that were a little reluctant at first. And then all of a sudden, but we had a couple of early adapters who did it really well. Um, they made them very personal. They were kept short. And they always left it with a question so that they could get the reply, so they could get the quality contact. Mm -hmm. And so some of them did really well. And all of a sudden, it started to spread through the entire office place. So um, you know, they, they, we have a couple of people that just did it fantastic. And we sort of used them to start training the other counselors. I like that, kind of seeing the successes for others and sort of making sure that's spread throughout the office. Yeah, that's it doesn't take too long within a counselor office area to figure out that if someone's got some trick of the trade and they're not having to do it at 7 o'clock at night trying to phone kids who are screening their calls, that the text messaging becomes a really popular thing. And oh, it, yeah. I mean, it became really popular. 
Oh, that's too funny. Did you have any counselors? I, I didn't prep you with this question in advance. Did you have any counselors that got really competitive about it? Oh, yeah, they all do. Yeah, they, they got, so Dave has the reports, and you sort of, we would send them out, and we'd say, okay, this is how many Derek has done. And then everybody was like, hey, Derek, how, what are you doing? What are you saying? You know, and all that kind of stuff. So it was interesting. Um, yeah, it, it worked beautifully. And, I mean, there was one counselor, and he was a brand-new counselor. And uh, he came in, and he just went nuts with it and had really high volume and high response rates. And so we sort of used him as the man that we let sort of coordinate the texting program. So. Oh, that's too funny. That That's great. And I love just, I feel like I'd be the same way if we had that in our office. I'd really want to see, like, you know, how I can make the best texts out there, best best communication to, to be able to get some great responses and to be able to have a good connection with my students. I love that. Um, were there any kind of surprises that, you know, uh, texts that were exceptionally successful or anything that kind of... I don't know. It went opposite how you expected. Well, you know, the ones that were the best, uh, I think, are the ones that are very personal and kept very short and direct and with one purpose in mind. So a lot of times they were doing application follow-up, and we had a lot of good luck with that. Um, visit ones where you're asking them to come and visit after they've applied or something like that. That works really well. I just today, though, the counselor that's worked for me for 20-some years said to me, says, Hey, she said, Jim, can you get on my uh, Outlook calendar when one of my prospective students who are accepted his birthday is so that I can text them a happy birthday? So, you know, people be, have gotten real creative on what they want to do in the future in terms of how the text can be very personal and very direct. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I, it reminds me, actually, I think our office even used to send out birthday cards uh, for, for prospective students' yeah. birthdays. And I, I love that it's kind of just shifted to this great texting uh, you know, texting communication with them instead to be able to wish a happy birthday and then also making sure to provide value with other texts. But that's a really nice little personal touch that they added. Yeah, I think those relationships that you build as counselors, you know, it's a matter of trust and it's a matter of mutual respect. And I think the counselor-student uh, relationship in terms of the trust and the mutual respect is huge to the buying decision of a student. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just making that that connection because I, you know, I it's, it can be easy to forget this as an as an admission counselor, but you know, I, I try to remind myself a lot. I'm an advocate for these students. I'm their I'm their liaison between the rest of this institution that I'm proud to represent and the, these individual students. And so I think this this type of communication can be so helpful to you know really making sure your counselors are doing that job for students and are making sure they are that person that can that can answer questions, that can kind of um, bring messages back and forth and really make sure that that student's as aware as possible of your institution and how that can be a nice fit for them. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, we have a saying in our office, and every year we sort of map it out, you know, it's the right student at the right time with the right message delivered in the right way. And the right way, delivered in the right way, became for anybody that opted in, the texting, you know, and that removes a whole burden of, Oh, do I have to call these people at nine o'clock at night because that's what time they get home for practice? Or can I text them? Um, so yeah, it works out. It works beautifully that way. That's awesome. Um, I have another question that might be hard to answer because it was so individualized. But did you see any sort of 
similarity of of timing or of frequency that messages were going out, or I mean, did it vary so drastically by counts it was hard to really get a sense uh, of that? We started, you started to see that consistency, Nicole, as the time went on. You, you basically were seeing when people would send something in or there was something missing, you would see the follow-ups where you're basically responding to some action, some momentum that they've sort of moved in your way. Um, we were using it post-visit. Uh, they were using a lot of that. You know, did you have a, if they didn't do the interview, did you have a great visit? What kind of information can, do you need now? Um, so it was all that kind of stuff. And, and it, you definitely see sort of purposeful uh, texting, you know, where there's a purpose in mind, there's a definite goal in mind, and yet they did it in such a way that students were very receptive to it. I love that. That's that's really that's really cool. Um, I, I would just love to just take the entire communication plan and just pick it up. I like, I just feel like so much could be learned from from the work that you did this year. And this whole this whole thing is a case study. Um, Dave, since I haven't asked you anything for a little while, I have two different things back to back that I want to ask you. So building off of what Jim's been speaking about, um, do you at Mongoose have any suggestions for best practices for you know what kinds of what kinds of ways to be using this texting platform, colleges? Yes, absolutely. Um, Jim alluded to the fact that when we when we started this a year ago, there was no best practices. We didn't know. We just said, "Okay, everybody, go text your students and have a good time." Um, and what we've seen is both in terms of the response rate that you that you get back, and even in terms of um, yield average by counselor, um, the ones that were highly personal and direct and would end with a question were much more successful. So you wouldn't just say, um, hey, um, this is Dave from Carol. I just wanted to let you know that we're missing your transcript and then hit send. Because many students may um, act on that and send it in or may, many may not care because they don't want to go there anyway. So if you just add one more thing to that, hey, this is Dave from Carol. I was looking at your file. Um, looks like we're missing your transcript. Are you still interested? Please let me know. Thanks. All of a sudden, you are having a personal dialogue there. So um, th those that's as far as best practices. That's that's how that is. I also found that, and this is true with every institution. It may not shock you that not every single admissions counselor is a wonderful copywriter. So, <laughs> so, so sometimes they would. They have a full screen and keyboard, right? So they would write not a novel, but way too long. And the student then starts to question, like, is this person really using their fingers to type all of this out? You know? So we really, from a best practices perspective, we don't cut you off at 160 characters because you still need to sound human. Um, but we, our product does start to give you feedback as you, the more characters you type, we say, hey, just, 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 just to let you know, you're at about 140, and then we give you some more feedback. You know, you might want to wrap this up too sweet, and then, uh, and then finally we say, listen, we're not going to send this text. It's, it's just too long. So um, having a communication plan in the beginning, having somebody write these templates, out has turned out to be a really good idea. It saves the counselor time. They don't have to key him in. And you can ensure that the message is consistent and highly personal. 
That makes a lot of sense. And I like that you have a feedback mechanism built in there. I think I definitely could use something like that. You know, it's like I'm thinking it of it like Clippy, you know, from Microsoft Word, but, you know, the friendly. You should just have a mongoose in there that, that like, has a little speech bubble that says this information. <laughs> That's so funny. We, we, have, we have one of those that, that says... Get over yourself. Nobody wants to read a text this long, and that's like that's like the last one right before the. You know what? We're not going to send this out for you. That's too funny. I, I I really like that, and it's human from your side too. So even better, you're encouraging them to be human. Um, and then I I have a question for you, and I, I'd love for Jim for you to chime in as well. But I know that whenever texting is a conversation in admissions, a question that a lot of people ask, especially you know anywhere from the top to bottom, everywhere within the within the channel within the kind of chain of command, say, do students even want us to text them? You know, this is such a a private space. We're going right to their phones. You know, um, they want to text with friends. Do so they really want to text with the college? But um, Dave, if you could speak to that first. That kind of that that idea and that space around privacy concerns, and then Jim, um, if you want to speak to how you saw it specifically at Carroll, that'd be great. Okay, so um, you know, a lot of times our prospective clients and people that we meet say, you know, do we really want to invade that private space? Because the mobile phone is such a personal space. So there's been research out out there that has surveyed college-bound high school seniors and saying, you know, would you want to text with schools? And the vast majority of them said, yes, I would, um, because it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm putting words in their mouth, but it's it's so much easier. It's what they're used to. It's efficient. And um, they were asked a follow-up question: Have you been able to text with schools? And the vast majority um, had not been able to, just because the schools don't have a process that's uh, set up for them to easily talk to these students. So um, what we are finding is that you have to almost promote it and tell them, do you, do you know that you can text with your counselor? And the majority of the times they'd be like, no way, that's awesome, That thank you, because it, it makes every, everybody's life easier. So it's different from when they're texting with their with their friends. When they When they text with their friends, if they know darn well that their friend has their phone on them and they don't write back in three seconds, they're going to get mad, right? Um, but when they're texting with an admissions professional, they, they could text a Friday at 5 and really have zero expectation that they're going to hear back until sometime on Monday. You know, so it's, so it's, it's just a, a different environment than if it's a, with their peers um, than it is when they're texting with a professional. That makes a lot of sense, and it's, I think, relieving for myself to hear, you know, as we're considering incorporating this more into our communications and other schools might be that um, maybe it's just a matter of we never put it out there for them in the first place. And, you know, it's funny, I actually, before I hop over to you, Jim, I'm sorry, I totally jumped in when I said I'd let you speak, um, but I even feel like it's happened that way with Snapchat, and to a degree, you know, obviously we're not going to force students to follow us on Snapchat, but we have this great um, communication plan led by our communication manager and we have student takeovers and things like that and I feel like that's often the response I get from students when I say hey did you know you can follow us on snapchat they go oh no I had no idea I'm gonna check it out and they really enjoy it so um, I think we could be better about putting these different options out there and especially if texting is going to be uh, the communication preference of choice we want to make sure that we let them know that it is an option so now that I've Totally jumped in there. Jim, do you have anything else to add to this? Well, no, I'll just say, you know, I mean, it's it's awesome because it's the student's call, 
It's their choice whether to receive texts or not. We're not forcing them. We're not automatically sending it if we've got a cell number. We don't just send it. We opt them in. So it's totally there in control. It's, it's, they say yes if that's their preferred way of communications, then we text. If they say no, that's fine. We use other mechanisms to do it. So I, I don't see that. You know, I, I, maybe I'm real naive, but I don't really see that from a student side is that if they don't want to be texted, they can just say no or they can opt out after they've said yes even. So it's, uh, it's in, they're in total control of that situation. Absolutely. And you just said that you were kind of asking of the student's communication preference. So are you getting that information, and I apologize if you already mentioned this earlier, are you getting that information when you are saying, hey, we can text with you, can you give us your information, or do you find that out later? You know, how do you, how do you kind of learn this? And secondarily, do you check in um, at the end, or do you think you will ch check in at the end, um, just to kind of survey the students of how helpful this was? Yeah, so a couple of things. Yeah, we, we ask the preferred uh, communications type throughout the process. We ask it even, we give the portal access as an inquiry, and the, before they can get into the portal, they have to tell us their preferred method of communications. Mm -hmm. um, so we gather it there, we gather it on the app, and we are constantly changing, and that changes our communications flow. Um, so that's one thing. And yeah, we, we will do a form of a survey for all of our students who opted in to see you know, what they liked about it. But we've heard from students that they just absolutely love it. Um, they love the fact that they're short messages. <laughs> so when Dave sort of has the word eater at the bottom where it's eating up the words if you get too long, Nicole. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of the best things. I mean, we have one counselor, and she, she writes books, okay, Nicole? I mean, just she really does. She's very thorough. And all of a sudden, she's, I hate this. I don't, I'm telling Dave I don't like this. And now she's the biggest promoter of the short text message. So, I mean, it's just a mess. It's an, what's an effective way of communications is, and that's the key is, how can we communicate with that student and get feedback from the student to find out what their needs, wants, and expectations are? I love that. And I feel like you were looking right through me when you were saying that last minute because I, I would be guilty of that. <laughs> For some reason, a lot of admissions people are, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we tend to be pretty wordy individuals, yeah. so so that doesn't surprise me. But actually, having done a little bit of texting in the past, it 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 is a learned skill to really go. Okay, how can I get this down to the most important information and the question that I need to ask without writing pages upon pages because nobody wants that in a text message. So yeah. I, I, I like that they learned that along the way. Um, and, and steering into that question, I guess, what, you know, so you, you've got a year under your belt of doing this with your team. Um, we talked a little bit, we, we sprinkled a little bit of this throughout the episode already, but um, what did you learn? You know, what are you going to change for this upcoming year um, as far as continuing with texting is such an important part of your communication platform. Yeah, so I mean the quality contact stuff is, is key, right? So getting responses, but yet they have to seem personal. So one of the things we are going to use are use templates that have automatic triggers on it that will go out so the counselors don't have to even write the message itself. It's that they're triggered off of certain activities, just like an email trigger would do. And yet it looks like it's coming from the counselor. The student won't be able to tell that it didn't come from the counselor, and the counselor will reply once the student sends it. So we have a few of those set up so that they'll automatically go. We've written some other ones that are standard templates that counselors can use. 
that we also are going to let the counselors continue to do their sort of freelancing. Um, and now that we have the word thing on there, they can't get too wordy, so we don't have to worry about that. So, um, yeah, I think we fine-tuned it, and I think we'll even be better at it. But I, I just, you know, from an overall summary standpoint, I think increasing the two-way conversation and the effective use of counselor time, which time is the number one resource. I mean, as an enrollment manager, manager, manager <laughs> um, it's all about how resource of time and how effective people can use it. And this is the best thing we've done in, in my, probably in my entire time in 30 years, this is the most effective use of counselor time that I have seen in terms of a resource. That's, that's awesome. I love that. And did you, I, I'm just imagining you as the years going on and you're seeing, seeing these response rates and the, you know, the great feedback you're getting back from it, just having a big grin of like, this is working exactly. I want this too. This is great. Um, but that's really helpful. And I think a lot of colleges that are thinking about this, that's, you know, you're addressing a lot of the concerns that they may have. And I really love the way you're moving forward with that because I know as an admission counselor myself, I mean, time, time is a very, very precious resource. And uh, it seems like we're asked to do more and more things each year without losing a lot of other things. So um, the thoughts of how can we save time but still make sure that we don't lose the personalization of this is so important in what you said. And I want to just wanted to make sure I kind of highlighted that and reiterated it because I think that's huge. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing we're able to do this coming next year is incorporate more people using texting. So like some of the texts are messages will come from me. Um, like after a visit, I'm going to basically ask how they like their visit in the text message. After a financial aid award, the text will come from the director of financial aid. So we're incorporating it into a broader spectrum of people so they're not always just getting it from the counselor themselves, but there's other people that they can connect with. And then I think finally we have incorporated in our student success retention program very effectively as well with continuing students. Because as you recruit them using text messaging, you want to be able to continue that through the recruit retention piece as well. So we've incorporated it in there as well. I love that. I like that, kind of adding new people in too. And I'm imagining, you know, if I have the number I'm getting texts from saving my phone, it's still going to show up as Carroll University, but it's just going to be all these different individuals that are reaching out to me. Would I be understanding that correctly? No, each, each individual um, has their own phone number, we either text mm -hmm. enable their office line um, or we give them a new phone number in the institution. So you could say, hey, Tommy, you know, feel free to add me as a contact in, in your phone. Um, I'm, I'm here to help you throughout the recruitment process. And then the when financial aid might text, they say, hey, this is Dan from financial aid. If it, if, if it came from the same number, the student would be like, are you guys sharing a phone? This is really weird. Um, That's a good so point. We want to have them convinced that that person took the time out of their day to go get their phone out of their pockets and, and be thoughtful and send them a text because that goes all, a long way. So that is, the, um, that is the perception that we definitely want them to have. Oh, and we've added like our text numbers to every email and every letter. There's text messages. So when they get a letter from me now, it has my text number on there as well. As it, it can be your office number, as Dave said, but mine happens to be I use a separate one. And the financial aid as well, it, it has their text. So we basically incorporated incorporated that into the standard 
sort of uh, address into our uh, when we close out letters and emails. That make that. That's great, and I, that that makes a lot of sense. And at first, I wasn't thinking that through, but I like that because yeah, you wouldn't want to keep. Well, one, it's the the impact of knowing that different people are reaching out to you, but two, you wouldn't want to have to have the same person necessarily checking in to check in on texts from um, from financial aid, from the athletics, from wherever across campus. So that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so thank you for answering that. And as we're kind of winding to a close, and I'm keeping an eye out for um, tweets. I haven't seen anybody yet, so I just wanted to remind everybody, if you have any questions for Jim and Dave, please tweet using hashtag HigherEdLive. I'll keep an eye out for a little bit longer. But as we're winding to a close, um, could both of you kind of share just suggestions for schools that are, or institutions rather, that are hoping to implement this in the upcoming year or upcoming years. Um, good steps to sort of plan for this and to start out their, their first few months incorporating texting into their communications platform. Um, just kind of helping to ease them into it as you uh, set out into this frontier. So I don't know, Jim, do you want to go first? Sure. I, I mean, Nicole, I think it's, I'll tell you, I think this has been one of the easier things we've ever done to incorporate. It's, it's really easy. The way Dave has it set up is easy. But I think you can start as small as you want to start. You can start on a very limited scale in terms of who you allow to text. But I think if you just get started, you, everybody will realize how effective this can be. Um, and I think you can also you know, say these are the campaigns we're going to focus on. That's not what we did, but you can certainly do that. Um, I think it's it's a, it's actually a really easy thing to get going, and and the platform Dave has is just it's just way easy. So it's 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 very it's very much a simple process. That's what we like to hear. The easier, the better to be able yeah. to incorporate it into our work. I'm all so appreciated. Yeah. How about you, Dave? I think that even if you don't know how you're going to text your 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 students, you know, there's there's various. Vendors, you could give your counselors mobile phones and they could text. You know, there's various ways. Um, of course, I think the way that we have it set up is the best way, but um, why not start collecting mobile numbers now, not just phone numbers, and collect that opt in now? Um, so you don't, you know, come fall, you had wished that all of the inquiries that you had and even some of the apps, it, it, it would be a missed opportunity if you didn't collect the mobile phone and the, and the opt in. Um, so I would definitely start that now, and um, I would say that you probably want to enable all of your counselors to text rather than just one or two, and I say that because um, if you're an admin within our product, and um, you could send out a text on behalf of all of your counselors. So it would, it would mail merge, hey, this is Tim, hey, this is Don, or whatever. Um, and you, you don't even have to ask them to go into the CRM and run a report. You don't have to ask them to do the copywriting. All you do is, is ask them to manage the responses and the questions that come back from a text campaign. And if you just had one or two people in your office doing it, then you lose that power of being able to um, text everybody's student on their behalf and make them ultra efficient. That's a really great point, and I, I, I think that's part of the importance of the way your platform is set up is the um, initiative one can take and the direct impact of their connection with these students that they can see. That's huge, and to lose that to just one individual, you don't get that same sense of importance, I guess, that, that this 
that this um, channel can have. So, mm -hmm. so thank you for that. Um, and I haven't seen any questions on Twitter, but uh, Dave, you're on Twitter, if I'm remembering correctly, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And can you share your your handle really quickly? Um, sure. It's Mongoose Dave. M O N G O O S E D A V E. Okay, excellent. Jim, am I remembering correctly that you're not on Twitter? <laughs> I'm not. What am, what am I? I'm the old guy, right? I didn't <laughs> Okay, well, if people want to connect with you, I'll, I'll connect them with you one way or another. That would be great. I'll do that. Excellent, excellent. Um, so I just really want to thank you both. This was super informative. Um, I hope it was informative for all of, my, all of our viewers as well. Um, I want to uh, say thanks, as always, to our program sponsors, Chegg and M. Stoner. Um, and speaking of M. Stoner, as I mentioned, Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a marketing and communications firm that works with education institutions on branding, strategy, web design, and more. Um, I also wanted to share that M. Stoner is offering a free webinar on visual design for digital stories uh, later this week on July 20th. Um, did you know how strong? Do you know how strong visual design supports storytelling? Well, in this webinar, M. Stoner will explore principles for creating visual interfaces that encourage reading, exploration, and interaction. Um, so you can do registration for free, and we'll be tweeting out a link shortly where you can sign up. So if that sounds like something that's right up your alley, check at that out. Uh, and Higher Ed Live will return, or Admissions Live specifically, um, will be returning uh, in a few weeks on August. 1st. First, And before I part ways with you both, I just saw a tweet. Kyle just asked, can James speak about how this was implemented with athletics and if the coaches utilized this? Which is a great question, too, because I feel like there's a lot to be said for coaches going outside of the bounds of admissions, you know, with communication. So can you speak to that at all, Jim? We do have the question on the athletic questionnaire, but we did not, as of yet, put the coaches on the mongoose. They use a different software that has the texting built into it. It's nowhere near as good as Mongoose, but so we haven't really gone there yet, but it is something that I'm planning on doing. Okay, that's super helpful. Thank you. And I would encourage Kyle, if you want to follow up with Jim on that and see how that progresses this year, definitely give him a shout. Um, I'm not seeing any other questions, but like I said, if anybody else has questions that you'd like to follow up with Dave or Jim, let me know, and I will make sure to connect you with them. Uh, so. Thank you once again, both of you, Dave, Jim. Thank you for being on Admissions Live today. Thank you, Nicole. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, to all of our viewers, stay up to date with upcoming episodes from Higher Ed Live Pro or Higher Ed Pros by subscribing to the newsletter at higheredlive.com. Thank you again, and we'll see you back here on August first. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>